Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Android Central Podcast. My name is Shruti Shaker, and I am the managing editor. I have some lovely guests with me today. Hi, Nick. Nick Sutrick. Hi, boss lady. We'll try this again. <laughs> yeah, we had to re-record because we had some technical difficulties. But basically, I'm I'm now boss lady because we got a tweet from some, someone who listens. <laughs> if you're listening to us, I'm sorry for being bossy on the podcast. <laughs> I will try to be less. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure you are our boss lady. So whatever. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I, I think that's how this whole thing works. Yeah, just All fulfilling right. the role. I'm going to change right. my, my Twitter Whatever. handle to Boss Lady Shikar Shaker. <laughs> did Do I just it. mispronounce my own last name? You sure did. I'm, pro- I'm mispronouncing it every time now. Good. Wow, I am I so get, tired. I just got permission. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I've got Chris Waddell, who who is kindly is on the podcast this week again. Hi, Chris. Hello. How are you guys doing? I'm good. I'm tired. And I've got Jerry Hildenbrand. Hello, hello. Hey, what's happening? Well, I'm I'm apparently a boss lady, and I've mispronounced my own last name. I, <laughs> I just ignore you and do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> okay, we've got uh, a bunch of uh, fun topics to talk about this week, and they're all very random. So um, let's just get right into it. Uh, so this morning, I published an article called Apple Doesn't Try to Compete with Android OEMs, and that's why it's far more successful. Now, we talked about this uh, in our news meeting uh, a couple weeks ago, or yeah, a week ago or so, about how, you know, Apple does this thing where they announce features or, or you know, different things that app or rather Android has already announced. And when they announce it, they make it look like this flashy, new, exciting thing. Um, And so I spoke to some analysts and they said, you know, this is, it totally makes sense because, you know, Apple isn't making products for like, they're, they know their audience. They know, they know their audience so well and they don't care. And so I thought it was really interesting. I got some really interesting commentary and I wanted to get your, your thoughts on it. What do you guys think about this? I, I feel like I've commented on social media enough since the <laughs> iPhone 14, I guess, got announced. And then iOS 16 probably got released, I, I think, is more of when the conversation started with people. But yeah, it's like especially I, I, I commented, I think it was last night, maybe this morning. I don't know about the lock screen, because I've seen a lot of people over the last day screaming about how Samsung just copy pasted the lock screen thing in the latest yeah. One UI. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> if anybody copy pasted stuff, it was probably Apple copy pasting from Android 4, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true. And it's just I got... so funny when this stuff happens. Like, to your point in, in this article, people who use iPhones, I don't want to call them oblivious because it's not really nice. And that's not really where I'm going for. But they go with what's on their iPhone. And when Apple announces a new feature, Hey, it's great. We finally have this. Who cares about what everybody else has? I got it on my iPhone now. No, and that's absolutely true because one of my experts basically said um, Apple is rarely first to introduce a particular feature to the market. And even if Apple is introducing something that Android phones already have, consumers simply don't care. And that's like, I find that that is, that always seems to be the case with Apple. Like they they don't care that that Android did it first. And I've on the flip side, I I always hear a lot of noise from the from Android, well specifically Android enthusiasts saying, "Yo, we had it first. So I'm I find that interesting that that 
duality, you know? Yeah, I think I, I, I agree. And I think part of that is because uh, it's the way that Apple positions the features and the, in the announcements and how they, you know, they, they, we, we joke about when we watch an Apple announcement, you know, how many times they say magical or revolutionary and we're like, Oh, that's a drinking game. Take a shot because they say <laughs> it for everything. And, you know, and whether it, and sometimes it, it is, and sometimes it's a feature Android has already, and maybe Apple does it so much better, it feels that way. But because they present it as it's this brand new thing and they created this whole new you know, feature, whether it's a hardware feature or a software feature or something like that, it bugs Android enthusiasts, Android user, because we're like, we've had this. Like You're acting like this is the first time anybody's ever done this before on this product, and it isn't. And I think that's part of what generally drives the conversation and you know i'm sure some people will be like yeah because android fans are jealous or whatever mm, but mm. the fact is like it it's just the the principle of it is apple makes it seem like everything they do is brand new and they're the first to ever do it and they're generally not um you know and i think just maybe giving some credit where credit is due but of course that's not going to happen their competitors and no you know, apple. no exactly and and the, i think the other thing too is when apple does announce something they do it in a way where it's it um it works really well with all of their hardware. It, it's everything just um, sticks. It flows. There's no kinks. Um, and I think someone actually commented on on like they tweeted at me saying that um, that's one of the biggest issues with Android is that they they tend to you know um, launch new features or new new things, but they don't perfect it. And and that's where Apple does it right because they wait to fix everything and make it perfect, and then they they launch something. I think that's another important point to note. You have a company that has cultivated an online fandom of people that will wait in line overnight to buy a product that you can get much easier by clicking a button on a web page. They can do whatever the hell they want, and and people will just fawn all over it, whether they believe it or don't. That's just how it is. And it's always going to be that way. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm glad that more people aren't that way about other products because it's just, it's kind of ridiculous, guys. It just, it's just too much. Don't, don't blindly love a company, even if they give you something you don't want you don't need, you're not going to use just so you can say it's the greatest. Nope. And I fully agree with you on that one. Um, okay, let's go. Oh, sorry. Was someone going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, so it's related, right? I put it in our pitch meeting chat this morning that somebody tweeted out this, uh, video of an AR, like human without skin effectively, right? Like it's a human body type of thing. And it's an educational thing. You can go and like take the skull out and like look at, you know, different parts of what makes up human anatomy. And they tweeted it with the words, Apple AR is going to change everything about education. And <laughs> this, this stuff, uh, I don't, I, I just, what do other companies need to do to get this kind of recognition? Because I'm like, Apple doesn't even need to do anything. And they have this, kind of i guess following i don't i don't even really know what to to call this thing it's it's hard to label it isn't it it is hard to label because it's it's weird it's like they i mean cult following you know it fits for sure because i feel like almost anything they do is not wrong obviously there are uh examples of that not being the case where they have done something that pisses people off 
and and gets a lot of noise. But I feel like for the most part, anything they do or anything that they potentially do just gets talked about so, so much. And I feel like I, I would need to go and look, but I know for sure Google has done these types of like AR models. You can Google search like a cheetah, right? And you can put a cheetah AR model in your living room with your phone. You, the, the the skinless animatronic that was called Google Body and it came out with like the Nexus 4. I don't remember that, but I, I believe yeah, it. I remember that. <laughs> I mean, it, there's a lot of stuff like that though where it's like, I feel like so many other companies, even big companies like Google will do things like this way, way ahead of time. And I don't know if it's just marketing, if it's namesake. You know, I I think what it might be is Google can make an AR model of the human body. Hey, look, this is cool. And that's it. Just look how cool this is. Right. Whereas if a company like Apple does it, or even if Samsung did it, let's be honest, Samsung's not a lot better. They would say it's the greatest thing since sliced bread and try to get other people to feel the same way. <laughs> that, that could be part of it. I think it's almost like looking at these brands as if they're, if you look at it from like, say it's like a fashion brand, you know, Apple's one of those aspirational brands like Louis Vuitton or, or whatever. I'm not a fashion person. Mont Blanc, I don't know. They but don't think they know, just do watches. All, <laughs> but you know what Louis Vuitton is, Chris. So, so I'm saying so it's one of those massive brands, like one of, you know, something like that where it's, it's so aspirational just because you have it. It could be the cheapest thing that they make, but you have a product from that fashion brand. You have their hat, a bag or, you know, a scarf. And it's a big deal and something people are super proud of because they have that brand. And Apple almost has that kind of a status where it's it's fashionable to have them regardless of what their technology does. And, you know, they make great hardware and great software features, but it's almost moved beyond that to a fashion statement to have it and a statement of, of who you are. That's literally what it is, right? I mean, they Apple is an experience. I think that's where... They like they know that, and they they want to continue creating that quote unquote ex- experience. If and I, I think I've said this before, but I've I've specifically heard that if someone is wearing an Apple Watch and their watch dies, they keep wearing their watch even if if it's dead, like like the battery has drained out. Yeah, we had this conversation on on the podcast a while ago. I remember. I think it was when the Pixel Watch was announced, or yes, thereabouts. yes, exactly. Yeah, and it, it, that's it. It it. it it's an experience. It's a lifestyle brand. Like that's what it is. And yeah, I just, I just, I don't know. I think it's interesting how they can kind of get away with with a lot (laughs) of stuff. (laughs) It's definitely interesting. I think it's scary. What's become of us that we're willing to accept this from any company? We're better than this as a species, y'all. No. And you know what? I, I, I think it's also the fact that writers, you know, I think we also play a response, like a role here because, you know, reviewers will put out their, their reviews and, you know, make things enticing for people. And I think we've come to that point in our culture where we're so, I don't know, like obsessed with these brands and the phones and everything. And I think it's scary for sure. All these products are bad. There's something bad about every single thing you can buy. You don't need any of them. If you buy them because you enjoy them, just buy the one you enjoy the most. I agree. 
Okay, on that note, I want to talk about something that I think Chris is going to be excited to talk about. Um, So our writer, Derek Lee, wrote uh, an article this morning as well called The New Space Race is All About Your Smartphone. And he specifically wrote about, um, you know, satellite connectivity and uh, satellite messaging, which is something that companies like Apple, T-Mobile, and even Huawei are now boasting um, this type of technology in their phones. Uh, If you guys don't know, specifically in the Apple iPhone, 14, um, you'll be able to do, I think it's called SOS messaging or something like that, where if you lose um, service, you can actually connect to a satellite and do messaging, um, uh, SOS messaging, essentially. And uh, it's free for two years, but then after that, you know, you you pay, they haven't really announced anything, but you pay some kind of fee, probably. T-Mobile is doing something very similar. Uh, You know, they had a partnership with uh, SpaceX, uh, Elon Musk's Elon Musk's company, um, and I believe uh, Huawei also did it in their in their phone um, in their Mate Fifty. Uh, so I wanted to talk about this and, and specifically kind of point Chris out because Chris uh, a few weeks ago wrote a, an incredible article called "The T-Mobile and Starlink Partnership Has Me Hopeful for My Rural Rural Connectivity Issues." So why don't you start this off? Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on this? What, what do you what do you feel about it? Uh, about the thing as a whole, or are we going back to how with Apple here? Um, let's <laughs> because let's, let's yeah, talk about as Apple, a whole, yeah. and then we can talk about the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, if what Apple's doing, I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad they're doing it. Um, this is it's you know I know they're not first, like you mentioned already. You know, Huawei's already got uh, the service. I, I don't know if it's 100 percent up and running, but they've announced it um, a month or so back. For their devices, and and they're obviously not in the United States. And Apple's implementation on the iPhone 14 is only available in the United States for right now. Um, but it's it's I interesting because they're. I think it's also available in Canada. Or, I think. Yeah, so I mean, it's a North America thing. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting because like you know, kind, they're kind of the first, um, which we were just talking about. They're, they're usually not first to do something. So it's interesting that they're they're doing this. I'm glad they are because you know even if it's just a, an emergency situation like that. I mean. If you if you're going to be out in a remote area by choice, um, you know maybe you don't need to be on your devices anyways. Um, so being out there and be able to stream videos and send your TikToks of you being in this beautiful remote area, maybe it's not you know necessary. So having it for an emergency situation, I'm glad they're doing it. I mean it's a great great thing to do. And of course Apple, you know you know branching off what we were talking about before, they have the capability and the power to kind of push something forward because of the the clout that they have. And they generally do a great job of implementing features. And so seeing them do something like this is encouraging them. And I hopefully it, it continues to expand. Yeah, definitely. And I, I want to read a little paragraph that Derek wrote in his article and uh, he calls you out on it, but I love it. He goes, uh, however, the biggest advantage could be in rural areas where coverage is spotty and often non-existent. Even On the best U.S. carriers, Android Central's Chris Waddell wrote how the T-Mobile SpaceX announcement makes him hopeful for his often overlooked area of Kansas. He already uses Starlink to connect to the internet and T-Mobile for wireless. As he says, the carrier seems to put the most effort into addressing connectivity issues. And while he's skeptical about how well this will work, the partnership is seemingly a match made in heaven for consumers like him. Quote, even though I know the chances the service will live up, to the hype are slim. I'm still excited about it, Waddell writes. The idea that my family or I won't be stranded on the side of the road with no way to contact someone could be a thing of the past is amazing. And I think that's something that a lot of people overlook or tend to overlook because 
you know, people are living, living all over the world and, and you only know your own, your own country and your own connectivity issues. Like I've mentioned this in the past, Canada, Canada's geography is so vast. It makes our connectivity issues problematic because there's a lot of people who live in rural areas where that connection doesn't exist. And so tell me about your experience with, with having to deal with that. I mean, it's in my house, I live, I don't know, seven miles or something from the next largest city, which is still a small town um, compared to most. But I don't have much signal in my house from any carrier. Like I get maybe one or two bars if I'm lucky. And so even just at my house, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily hoping an emergency situation is necessary here, but if there are parts of my property that I can walk to and have zero signal. So if I'm out, you know, cutting down some trees or, working on something with my tractor or something like that, and a tree falls on me and I happen to have my phone in my pocket, I may not have actual signal to be able to even call my wife at the house. Um, and so, you know, we're, I'm not talking about going, when I say remote, when I was referencing the Apple situation, like people go out and go hiking, you know, accidents happen, you know, whether they're, you know, who knows where they're going, you know, out out in, um, you know, maybe they're going for a, an ultra marathon, marathon trainer and they're going for runs and they're super long ways away from anything. Those situations are are happening as well, but I think there's a far greater population of people that live in areas and just their normal day-to-day travels and, you know, excursions, driving down where they live, visiting people, going on a trip, there are still long stretches of, of, uh, of land that has little to no connections. Um, when I drive an hour to go to, you know, a major city from my house, hour and a half, two hours, you know, they're, stretches the highway before I even get to the highway. Like I've got to drive 15, 20 miles before I even reach the main highway. And most of that drive, I have no signal. I mean, streaming wow. music, I'm streaming music. I have to make sure I have music downloaded just so I can listen to music. If I don't want to listen to the radio on the way to get to the highway where there is signal. So, I mean, we're I'm talking about things like that as well. And, you know, and it doesn't have to be an emergency situation. Like a, we've had a car crash, but having something, if you need to reach somebody for something, just a basic message is, is, could be, anything from being convenient and helpful to being life-saving. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that that just speaks volumes, just the way you are describing it and talking about it. It's, um, it's, it can be scary. Uh, I'm looking forward to what comes next. Right now, everything that's been announced is like, you know, emergency focused for dire emergencies is, long as you have the means to afford the equipment but i think back at the very first google io i'm coming home from the airport and we had had some terrible storms and it flooded a bridge out and i got detoured out in the middle of nowhere and there's no cell service here i had to just use the north star to try to find my way home and that sucked that sucked because you're so reliant on things like GPS in your phone. And th- this can fix that eventually. It- it's not set up to do that now, but, you know, it- it's it's not going to be cheap. You're going to need, a you know, some sort of service that includes these types of features. But for a lot of people like Chris or myself, it, it might be worth paying for. What are the limitations to this right now? Um, I, and I feel maybe, uh, Jerry, you might know the answer to this because it's it's a little technical, I feel. But are, I mean, what are the limitations? Well, the, your phone doesn't 
it's not a two-way connection to a satellite. Mm. There has to be a, a repeater station somewhere. Like you, your your phone can communicate with a, a satellite as far as it knows where you're at. But if you actually want to send messages back and forth, it has to go to another facility that can forward a message or a phone call or some sort of data connection. Uh, it's not like a, a satellite device that you you can buy. You can, and it's cheaper than buying a a new phone, you can buy a satellite phone if you want to actually, you know, talk directly to someone over the use of satellites. This is not that, at least not now. It's just that that's pretty much what it is. You're talking to a third party is a simple way to put it. It's just you communicate with a satellite that communicates to that third party who relays your message or Mm. a voice call eventually or whatever to the person it needs to get to. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's part of why the SpaceX T-Mobile partnership and, you know, and, and they said during their presentation, like they want to partner with other carriers, you know, so it's not just T-Mobile. They you know we're talking North American characters, but they're also talking internationally. So it doesn't matter where you travel, like if you're in a remote, remote area or just folks that, you know, live, uh, you know, over in Europe or something, we'll be able to have connectivity over there in, in remote areas. Cause there's plenty of that there as well. But, I think because the SpaceX part of this um, is with current satellites or version ones that are up in space currently now, they have to communicate with base stations, which are physical places on, you know, on Earth, um, that the satellites and they relay the signals back and forth. And SpaceX, because their their satellites are in lower orbit than things like Viasat and HughesNet, which do satellite Internet, it has lower latency. And I've, I use SpaceX for my – or not SpaceX uh, – Starlink for my home internet. And it does fine. And I think with V2, the difference with those satellites, that, which is what is required for this um, emergency communications with T-Mobile to, to actually work, they actually have lasers, space lasers on them um, to communicate back and forth um, so that the satellites can talk to each other in lower latency and it requires fewer ground base stations. So I think that's part of the, the equation, I think, that makes them um, a good partner for this. But like... Uh, Derek mentions in his article, um, Project Kuiper, which is Amazon's space internet situation, is partnered with Verizon, but more as a backhaul for Verizon's network so that they could potentially put up more towers and areas and not have to run the hard lines to the towers, which provides the connectivity and the, and the signal processing for those things. And they actually use uh, Amazon Project Kuiper satellites to provide that backhaul to the stations. So they could, in theory, provide cellular coverage in more remote areas without having to do the other parts inside of just building the tower and, you know, putting the equipment on the tower. Wow. That's so technical and insane. I'm also, I'm like, so impressed. <laughs> How do you know so much about this? This is amazing. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Um, let's take a quick break. I want to talk about some other stuff, but uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. I think trying to hire somebody is probably one of the hardest things to do because you just want to find the right candidate. And one of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract 
interview, and hire all in one place. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job according to Indeed data. That's incredible to me. So start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash ACP. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash ACP. That's indeed.com slash ACP terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, uh, so I want to talk about some Pixel stuff. Uh, So I believe it was yesterday. So we were recording on Friday, on Thursday. Uh, A new Pixel Watch teaser video showcases design and new watch faces. We wrote an article about that. Essentially, uh, we know, obviously, you know, Google is going to be launching uh, the Pixel Watch this fall. Uh, But, you know, there was this new teaser video uh, and it has information about the design and the watch face. And uh, we we also saw a couple of colored bands alongside. um, And we also saw a little bit of a Fitbit integration, which is going to be interesting. Um, No information about pre-order dates or anything, uh, but, you know, we think it's going to happen soon. What are your thoughts on this, guys? Yeah, we'll we'll probably see that stuff at the event, which is October 6th. So, yeah, I... I really, really like what Google is doing here. Um, it's nice. It's very pretty. It looks very, very pretty. And I think... It very much looks like a round Apple Watch. Right. Yes. And, and that's I it. Mean. I think they're doing something that other Android smartwatch vendors have not done. Because typically when they try to make an Apple Watch style, they just straight up make an Apple Watch, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. almost no difference visually. Even like Fitbit stuff. Yeah, it's a little more square, but... If you just take a glance, you'll probably think it's an Apple Watch, right? No, this this literally looks like what Chris said. It's a circle Apple Watch. And I don't even think, like, I think the Galaxy Watch 5, I think they tried to make it look like that. But I think this looks way more like an Apple Watch, but a circular version. It's almost like the Galaxy Watch 4 and 5 because they basically look exactly the same. It's like those stylings are more like the um, the new Apple Watch Ultra. Uh, right, yes. the flat flat top, and then directly drops off on the edges. There's no, you know, no curved glass like the Apple does on their normal Apple watches. My only thing on this, like, I like the look of it, and it, it looks great in the images and stuff like that. But every time they show it with a light background, man, the bezel around that looks huge. And I'm just wondering how much that's going to bug me is how much bezel there is around the actual screen, and that's why every right. most press images you see of it, it's always a black background. And if you've used any of the new Wear OS devices, um. Or whereas three watches, like there's a lot of just black, like not gray, but black, which is good for battery life and things like that as well. But it it does good as far as making the watch face look larger than it actually is. Right. Now I have a feeling when they launch this, just based on the teasers we've seen, that the vast majority of everything you do on the watch is going to make it look like the elements are sort of melding into the body of the watch, right? 
because mm, it seems like the like you said the bezels look uh look pretty large and i'm not somebody who usually complains about bezels but man this one looks <laughs> <laughs> kind of questionable like it, i looking at the size of the watch on the lady's wrist right in the beginning of the teaser, right? Like you can tell straight off. All right, that's a smartwatch. Yep. Okay. It looks nice, but it's, it's definitely a smartwatch based on the size. And then I look at some of the other, uh, you know, imagery that they put in this video of those bezels. And I'm just, you know, the first thing my head goes to is this feels like wasted space. I mean, it's a smartwatch. There's no such thing as wasted space, right? That's, that's absurd, but it looks like it based on that. Now, Gosh, let's see. Two things. So I love the way the raised glass looks when it's rounded. I I have never liked the square style of, of a watch. I just don't like square watches. Um, I much, much, much prefer a round watch. But I think this is going to have the same issue that I have largely with the Apple Watch's design in that this is a big honking piece of glass waiting to get smashed because it's on your wrist. But didn't didn't they announce or maybe maybe I'm misthinking it or I don't remember. They, they didn't say anything about the glass, did they, during the Google I.O.? Like, did they just say that they were like launching it? I don't I can't remember. Think they I think gave it was us all any teaser. specifics. Yeah, yeah oh, it was yeah. all teaser. Hey, here's, here's this thing on my wrist. Check it out. You know, that's... <laughs> mm, it exists. I bet you... I bet you during the the event, every single announcer is going to be wearing a watch. Oh, oh yeah. certainly. They've done that in the past, too. I mean, they, especially when they were first pushing Wear OS, I'm pretty sure every single person on stage had a different watch. I mean, like <laughs> Apple, any Apple presentation, like everybody, especially if it has anything to do with watches, like everybody's wearing a watch and they put the brightest bands they can put on it. So you're like, hey, look at my wrist. I've got an Apple watch on. So it's nothing different there. No. Yeah, they're, oh, they're going to highlight the heck out of it. I'm I'm going to the event. I really can't wait to use the thing because I have not been excited about smartwatches for years. I've detailed this many times. Um, I hope it's good. I don't really know what else to say. I just really I hope, hope I, I hope, hope it's your good. wishes are not disappointed. <laughs> Come on, Jerry. Come on, Jerry. I'm waiting on you to dash our hopes that this is going to be good. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> there it comes. Uh, well, what do you expect? <laughs> it's not going to live up to what you expect. They I know it's do. not. I mean, I, I have such low expectations. I'm, right. I'm well, I don't know, the man. Smart move. If it's something that makes your life better, you should buy it. This is very true. I'm hoping to learn from my high hopes. I've written about it a few times as well from the Galaxy Watch 4 and the new Wear OS 3 and how like it I had my hopes up way too high and it came crashing down once I used the watch. And so I'm hoping to uh, learn a little bit from that and try and temper my expectations maybe a little bit. in this. See, yeah, when they the Galaxy Watch 4 came out, my expectations couldn't have been lower, but. I'm still less than impressed. It still didn't live up to my ultra low expectations. <laughs> Just don't have expectations in general, guys, and you won't be disappointed. <laughs> I'm doing my 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 expectation is it's going to look really nice on my wrist. I'm hoping the haptics are good, and I'll probably put it back in the cabinet after two weeks of using it. So that's oh, that's God. that's my expectation. <laughs> we'll see. Oh man. <sighs> All right. Well, speaking more about Pixels, um, we saw a leak from last night. Uh, Pixel 7 and 7 Pro prices have been announced, or not announced, rather, sorry, uh, leaked uh, by someone. Um, 
basically, let me see. Okay, so the Pixel 7 may cost $599 for the snow, obsidian, and lemongrass color options. The 7 Pro may be given an $899 price tag for the obsidian, hazel, and snow colorways. Um, I mean, that's like really good prices, dude. Yep, sure is. Fantastic prices. Very, very good. Um, I mean, I, they did that with the Pixel 6 too, though. I mean, Pixel 6 is like a friggin' no-brainer. If you had 600 bucks to spend on the phone, just go buy a Pixel 6. I mean, that that was our opinion, I think, for quite a while until maybe some of these horrendous Pixel bugs showed up. But <laughs> Yeah, but we know that, that most of that is software anyway, so... You know, yeah, well, I guess I, some some were hardware, but most of it was was software. Yeah, and I don't I don't know what I mean. You okay, take your so Pixel Six on your motorcycle and it still works. <laughs> Try that with your iPhone. It's fair. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't want to harp on on the bugs too much, but I know this has been a problem with uh, a lot of friends of mine that ended up picking up a Pixel Six and. One of our writers, Namira, this morning just tweeted about how Android 13 on her Pixel 6 is a dumpster fire. So I'm just like, I thought that tweet was so funny. (laughs) Gosh, I don't know, man. I'm like, I really, I really want to see Google succeed with these because I think they are fantastic phones with even better cameras. No, 100%. My dad bugs. Like, I don't, what do they need to do to like have these not happen? I know. My, my dad has a six pro and, it's oh, it's such a pretty phone. I really, really like it. I, I, I and the camera is stunning. It's the so good. Ridiculous. It's so yeah, freaking good. So good. <laughs> um, but I think I think what needs to happen here, I feel, is that we shouldn't well, because we've talked about this, how you know, specifically with Google, people like to shit on it and and they always whenever there's like some issue there's like such a loud noise from from people talking about you know google did this google google did this blah 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 and i really feel like google needs to get it right so that because these phones are incredible and with this price point i mean how can you fail right it certainly seems like it i mean it, it seems to me like the main things main two things they need to do this time around are better fingerprint sensor, and little to no bugs, right? I mean, it would also be nice to see Tensor improved. And I'm sure Tensor Gen 2 will will be improved, but I don't feel like that's as big of a deal as the fingerprint sensor and the bugs because those things are things that people using the phone deal with every day, whereas, you know, maybe some of the performance slash heat issues of Tensor aren't that big of a deal. Right, if, at least for most people, it runs within its design parameters. Right, well, that's what I mean. I mean. It's not just, if I, you don't I feel like, like it because it gets too hot, don't buy it. Yeah, I I feel like if we're going to be talking recent processors that have performance issues related to heat and stuff, I feel like the Snapdragon Eight Gen One is far more offensive than anything that Tensor does. Yeah, well, I mean, the whole thing is. If if you buy any product, you're going to have a different experience with it than I would if I bought the same product. Uh, there, there are some things that are actual flaws, bugs, whatever you want to say. Uh, I'm not harping on the iPhone, but I was cracking a joke about 
you can't use it on a motorcycle. You can't. The vibrations from riding a motorcycle will wreck the optical image stabilization in your new iPhone. If you ride a motorcycle, don't upgrade. Wait to get the 15. Uh, that that that's that's a bug, a flaw that happens to every single device. Whereas you go back, okay, the always on display and battery life. You have half the people complaining about how horrible it is it wrecks their battery life. The other half don't see that. That's not a bug. There's something going on, but it's not an inherent problem yeah, with that's, the device. Is it, that's the use case software. Do, sorry, does it? Do you think it has to do with? And I, I think you kind of spoke to this a little bit, Jerry. But does it have to do with the way a user uses their phone? Sure, that's ninety nine percent of it. Uh, we'll, we'll go back to the Pixel Six, so it doesn't sound like I'm being unfair to the iPhone, and I'm not. I think it's a fine phone. If that's your bag, buy one. But if you go online and look at the problems people have with the Pixel Six, you're not going to have all of those. You're probably going to have a problem that one of these other people didn't have that's all down to the way you use it right and, yeah, and here's yeah. here's a quick example right like w- when i use the pixel 6 pro as my daily for i don't know since it basically came out until the fold 4 came out you know more or less i had a lot of stupid little quirk problems where like i would have to go back home and go into an app because something funky was going on or you know, just something annoying it wasn't like deal breaking, but it was definitely annoying. Whereas I had other friends who like the camera would crash on them constantly or they would have to reboot their phone three times a day because it would lock up like actual, you know, problems that make them want to throw the phone in the garbage. OK, that's so weird. And and that's that's where a lot of this other stuff comes from, too, is like you'll get these people who have these huge problems and they make noise. Because they want yeah. this crap to be fixed. They like the phone enough to yeah. where they want to keep using it, but they can't because it's broken. On on that, too, let's say there are 2,500 users that are making a whole lot of noise. They sold 10 million of these. Right. That's a very tiny percentage of people with problems. Sure. The iPhone even further drives that point home. They're selling 50 million of those. And you've got 5,000 people with problems. Right. There's not a problem with the device. There's a problem that it doesn't suit a particular way somebody wanted to use it. And you're always going to have that. I, 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 I wish there was a solution, but there's just not. And there never will be. Sure. And, and I know in my reviews, I stopped using the screen on time metric years ago because my screen on time never matches up with other people's. I'll get three, maybe four hours of screen on time out of a device. And I find that to be good battery life because it lasted me the whole day versus I'll see some people get like eight hours of screen on time in the same time frame, And I'm like, what the heck are you doing with your device? <laughs> like, I don't know how we're using these things uh, this differently. Yeah, When the Nexus 5 came out, people were going on about how great it had screen on time. I, I, I set mine just as an experiment so it would never shut off and put it in airplane mode and put it on my desk and had like 26 hours of screen on time. <laughs> so that doesn't mean a lot. Right. Yeah, that's why I typically just go by 
Does it last me a whole day? Does it last me two days, you know, in, in some cases? And then how fast can it recharge when I forget to charge it at night and got to go somewhere in 30 minutes right. in the morning? And, and like, you have to compare it. For me, any phone that can last a day is amazing because my cell service is such shit here. Yeah, and, that's that's definitely a know, thing, too. I, I don't... The only phones that ever lasted more than a day were those old Galaxy Notes that were just battery before they started exploding because they had too much battery. Right. Yeah. And, and this, the cell service is another thing that I, I right. forgot about because you have some phones like I hate to harp on the pixel six again, but this is another thing that's been a problem for people in some areas because of the modem in the pixel six and the bands it supports and just, you know, maybe the antenna design in that phone. Yeah. I see. I, I can only go by my own experience. Uh, the Pixel 6 does better standby with screen off than any phone with a Qualcomm radio. Right. And and I have friends who live in like uh, Astoria that have had the opposite. Okay. Like right. somewhere where I would assume you would have fine cell service. So <laughs> it's, it's all, it's very tough to find something that's perfect. Uh, you probably can't do it, but don't, don't automatically discount any product because of the problems I may have. I love that. I love, I love that conversation. That was very, very insightful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. Yes. No, it was, it was. Um, Okay. Uh, I want to get to my favorite part of the podcast. It's, we we did a short podcast today, guys. I thought we were going to run out of time, but it's, it's, we didn't apparently. So, uh, anyways, um, <laughs> oh wait, we're not done. We have one more topic. Wow. I am honestly, I've like, I how to, fundamental. <laughs> I've forgotten how to, to podcast. You don't know your name. You okay. forgot about topics. Goodness. <laughs> I, I, I just assumed we cut this one out cause you thought we were going to go long. No, well, your no. boss lady, you can do whatever you want. That's right. No. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I I, I do want to talk about this last topic because it is, um, it's super interesting. And, um, Nick, uh, wrote an article. It's about, uh, the Pico four. It's titled the Pico four is better than the Oculus quest two. So why isn't it coming to the U S? And I think, I think this is really interesting. Um, because so Nick, you did mention that the Pico, uh, for what's the version, the pro version, probably. That's coming to the U.S. Or the the Enterprise one is. The okay. Enterprise one, yes. yes. That one's coming to the U.S., but the 4 isn't. And, um, I mean, there's a very good reason for, for why it isn't coming to the U.S. And one of the one of the main things that you mentioned in your article is that the Pico 4 has a direct integration uh, with TikTok. Um, and, obviously, TikTok is a problematic company in the U.S., um, we we know that because TikTok is owned by ByteDance, which is a China-based company, uh, and you know there's there's been a lot of issues surrounding that whole partnership and and its presence in in the U.S. But I I wanted to to get your take on this, and and I think you're I think you're very disappointed that it's not coming, right? Right. So in a nutshell, this let's say if Meta were going to be releasing a Quest Three this year, this is effectively how I would have envisioned the hardware to be. Right. So. It uses pancake lenses, which uh, means that the space between the lenses and the display inside the headset is uh, much shorter. So the headset itself is much thinner than like a Quest 2 or something. It also makes it a lot lighter. It's only 295 grams versus 
uh, like a Quest 2 is, is over 500 grams. Of course, that includes the battery, which um, this headset is interesting because they are not designing it to be modular in the way the Quest 2 is. You buy this thing and you're done. It has a nice strap. It has the battery on the back of your head so that the weight is even on the front and back of your head. It's roughly the same amount on both sides. Um, gosh, let's see. The controller rings, they design differently, so you're not going to smack them together like you will on, on a Quest. Um, I mean, just it, there's a whole lot of other things. You can you know read one of our other ones if you want to see the whole detailed list of it. But the point is, the hardware is notably better than a Quest 2. Like, if these two things were on a shelf next to each other and you saw that they had mostly the same games, which, you know, in this case, they they do have a lot of the same games, um, you would probably pick up a Pico because they're the same price, too, right? So this would be, I think, really, really good competition for Meta here in the U.S. However, probably because ByteDance owns Pico these days, which wasn't always the case, I think that's why we're not seeing it released here. Um, you know, I've, like you said, and we've talked about several times, I feel like TikTok and ByteDance are kind of in a gray area. You never know who's going to be calling for TikTok to get banned next. I, I think it's going to take them moving their servers over here or having U.S.-based servers for U.S.-based products for this to happen because it's releasing effectively everywhere else in the world except for South America. I think that's really the only, maybe Australia, I can't remember if they said they're going to release in Australia or not, but really for the most part, all the major companies where you would, all the major countries, sorry, where you would expect to buy a product like this on a store shelf, it's coming out in. Do I had something else I was going to say and I forgot. <laughs> do, you, do you think they even care? Um, I just you know how don't some companies know. Like, like, for example, like I remember, um, when I was covering Huawei, uh, and, and I, I actually went to their headquarters in China and, um, on a press trip. And one of the, the questions that a reporter asked was how has Huawei and how has China sort of taken to the criticism that North America was giving to the company because of, of, you know, you know, there was a whole issue and you can go read about it. Anyways, the executives at Huawei basically were saying, we don't really care. We just kind of still just do our own thing and we sell wherever we want to sell. And if North America doesn't want us, then it doesn't really make any difference to us. So I'm wondering if Pico has or likely might have a very similar um, feeling about this. I would probably say yes. Um, and it would be a lie just like when Huawei said it. Right, of mm, course. Mm. I, I mean, I think they definitely do want to break into the U.S. market. I don't really think that's a question. However, with, with that being said, they have always focused on China first. I mean, not just because they're a Chinese company, but because in China, the VR market is extremely different than it is anywhere else in the world, basically, right? So you have many, many options in China. It's basically like the smartphone market, right? So here in the US, you pretty much just have Samsung and Apple. You can pick a OnePlus phone, you can pick a few others, but you don't have a lot of choice. And the same kind of goes um, for the VR market here and a little bit in Europe, not quite as much, but at least a little bit. Whereas in China, gosh, you have like 
five or six companies making standalone VR headsets, and they all use basically the same hardware, right? So you can get basically the same games on all of them. It's just like an Android phone in China. You you effectively pick the hardware you want, and for the most part, you're going to get the apps and the games you want. So I think in that way, yeah, this them going China first makes the most sense business-wise, just because the U.S. is kind of a question mark at this point for for them and they don't want to go spend a whole bunch of money and bring it over here and then get banned right that that's problematic for a company who is not effectively just launching but they're sort of starting to make a name for themselves now Mm. maybe even more simpler than that they don't want to spend the money and bring it here and not make that money back right they know they're going to make that money in china and and that's it so when we when we talked to them at the briefing uh, it was about a week before they made the announcement. You know, obviously, the first question I think anybody asked was, why isn't it coming to the U.S.? And they didn't say it was never coming to the U.S. They just said, uh, for right now, we're only bringing the Enterprise headset to the U.S. So I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. Like I said, I think they just need to iron out the gray areas before they make that jump and most likely they're going to want to launch this everywhere else, make some money and then maybe they'll introduce it here. Yeah. um, That makes sense. Could it be that they're waiting to see how the next um, quest headset comes out and how it's received and the hype it gets to see if they want to, if it's, they think they'll have enough of an opportunity to make any of that money back by releasing a standard version rather than just their pro um, in the U S do you, do you mean the Quest Pro that we're probably going to see next? Well, not probably. Whatever we're going to see next month, I'm assuming you're calling it Quest Pro. Yeah, I, I don't know. Is it that I I haven't been able to keep up as much. Are they just doing the Pro, or are they not releasing a, like a, a standard Quest Three or whatever? So this year, um, you know, almost certainly we're just getting the Quest Pro, which, depending on the rumor you look at, is anywhere between eight hundred and fifteen hundred bucks. Who the heck knows what it's going to be? We'll find out in two weeks or whatever it's going to be, right? This is a Valve Index level headset, right? I mean, it, yeah. it's also standalone, but this is this is for enthusiasts. This is for professionals. This is supposed to be like, you know, the, the big deal headset, whereas the Quest 2 and eventually Quest 3 are the more mainstream affordable headsets. Um, Quest 3 is probably going to come out next year if... You know, all, all the other information we've had for a while is correct. And I would assume that's going to have a new chipset to launch with it, whereas Pico and even supposedly the Quest Pro all still use the same chipset as the Quest 2, right? So these things are all working off the same uh, XR2 chipset that's based off a of Snapdragon 865. Hmm. Well, I guess we're going to have to find out what happens. And that price point is disgusting, but, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not meant for the same market uh, as the Quest 2. <laughs> that's, but that's pretty much the standard price for that kind of hardware. Yeah, I this mean. This isn't the first high-end VR headset to cost between 500 and 1000 bucks. Right, and if anything, heck. Do. If it's 800 bucks, that's a freaking deal compared to yeah. something like an index because it's wireless, it's standalone, and it does a heck of a lot more, right? Mm-mm, for sure, for sure, so but still it, disgusting. Wise, yeah, it, <laughs> it looks uh, pretty bad on paper, but if you compare yeah. it with the other stuff well, on the market, it really ain't so bad. But, you know, we'll see in two weeks. One I forget what the date is. 
<laughs> thinking about Nick with the Pico. If if you recall, Oculus was struggling bad. That's why Facebook had to get involved for it to become a viable product. And your definition of viable is probably different than mine, but it's worth continuing now. They needed a partner. Right. Uh, Pico doesn't have that in North America. I, I, I'm sure Baidu, Weibo, somebody in, in the East is, is jumping at the chance to partner with a company like Pico if they don't already. Right. But we don't have that infrastructure here for them for consumer grade VR games. You have Sony, you have Facebook, and you have nobody. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's that's and and that's it. Like ByteDance slash TikTok are trying to become the third effectively. Right. So you have to get that squared away before you you know can further your platform. They sure. can bring it over here and nobody's gonna buy it. Nobody wants to buy something you can't just grab your phone, click a button, and install a game to your headset. That's what we're used to, and that's what the you know you use your controller for the PlayStation, but whatever. It's all seamless, it's automatic, and that's what consumers are used to. And until that can be in place in a familiar way where you're not, you know, feeling like you're on some dodgy Chinese website buying software through your headset, that that's just not gonna be as as popular here right. in, in and- North America. And in that way, this headset in particular goes a long way. In fact, when they unveiled it, um, if you scrub like halfway through the video when they're showing off the UI, the UI looks, you want to talk about copy pasting like we were talking earlier, this this is like pretty straight up copy pasting from the Quest. It's like the same, oh my yeah. God. same rounded corners, the same color scheme, even like the chat UI looks the same. I mean, you know, some of these are industry standard designs. Nobody questions what a chat app looks like. It's almost stupid to redesign a chat app, right? But in many cases, this is more or less carbon copy software to the Quest and a lot of stuff they announced. Like they announced uh, Pico Worlds, which is the Horizon Worlds competitor. I mean, like that, I don't want to say they're not trying because it's really not fair to them. Okay, this is still early days. There's going to be a lot of copy paste stuff like there was on Android phones until people figure this stuff out, right? And they figure out what works. But yes, Um I agree with the partnership and the naming. I, I think Pico is better known elsewhere, whereas uh, for the most part, especially early Pico headsets were, were really rough here. And whenever they went to trade shows, they didn't get a lot of attention. And I think they have to kind of overcome that, uh, at least on this side of the globe. I really like that name, though. It's a cute name. It's like Pico. It's nice. Yeah, it's cute. <laughs> but, but we have to remember, even Google failed. At trying to create standalone VR headsets, Google could not compete with what are they called? Meta now, Oculus, Meta, Facebook. Uh, so th- this is not something that's easy to do. Right. I I feel like Google failed because they're Google and they give up too easily. Well, you know they, they did it for to throw they money did it for away. a year and a half and they're like oh it's not working we're good it's just like well, stadia it's the exact same thing they did it for like a year and a half and they're like all right we're not doing first party studios anymore guys good luck even know, developing a game in a year and a half i mean 
they but just are they not. They did it for a year and a half and lost two hundred and fifty million dollars. Yeah, but you have to look look at Microsoft when they launched the Xbox. They lost ten billion dollars. Like this is the same number that Meta is losing when it's when it's jumping into VR. This is when you're a big company launching something like this. You have to lose that kind of money to make money eventually. You got to hold well, on. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Can Pico ByteDance afford? to lose hundreds of millions of dollars a year. No, of course not. They can't. Uh, I'm going to say yes, they can. Because really? they're freaking TikTok and they make a quadrillion dollars every day off of I ads. Know. I mean, Google decided <laughs> they couldn't afford to do it and they're the second largest company in Google the world. Google is full of crap in that regard. <laughs> full of crap. I think, but Google can't, Google can't commit to anything yes, long term. The, the only problem. thing they're committed to is search and ads, Android, and the, maps. And, you know, this they, is a they cultural problem they, at Google. They commit to the things that make them money and throw away the things that don't is exactly what Chris just said. They commit to things that make them money immediately and throw away things that don't. Mm. Well, that's I mean, they just dissolve their like things to work. What what was their their labs division that they just dissolved that was like yeah, that the twenty percent area twelve or whatever that thing yeah, was called? Yeah, it's the same. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. They have this false culture of we're going to be innovative and we're going to do all this amazing stuff and we're going to come out with these products. And then they go, oh, that product didn't make us money in five months. Uh, you're getting shut down. They have done this for years. And they'll continue to do it. That's and how they'll you continue make money. to do it. Whatever, man. I, They're they only continue to, do it, to make it's, money. It's still a cultural problem, in my opinion. They need to get over that. Cultural problem. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay come on nick how do you feel <laughs> that's right that's what i'm here for <laughs> okay on that note um let's get to my favorite finally guys my favorite part of the podcast which is what made you happy this week um who wants to go first i got donuts this morning pretty good yes, guys it's nick's birthday today yeah oh, happy birthday happy birthday happy nick birth- happy birthday nick Thank you, thank you. Okay, um, so you got donuts, and got obviously donuts. that that makes everyone happy. Uh, are, they, anything... are they pumpkin spice donuts, Nick? Mm. I, so I went, I went to uh, Duck Donuts. It is a chain, but I don't think there's that. It's not like a Dunkin' Donuts large chain, right? Um, and they do like seasonal stuff, and so they have their Ooh. fall collection. And I was just like, "Yep, dozen of the fall ones." They got like <laughs> fun, fun. I think they got four different pumpkin ones in there, a couple different apple ones. Oh wow, they're so good! They're oh my so gosh, good. that's so amazing! Good. Amazing. <laughs> I'm going. And are you doing done. anything for your birthday? Um, we got some friends coming over. Um, I'm making ramen over the weekend. Ooh, because I haven't made ramen in a while. I haven't. Um, we, it's it's not really in our diet to eat things like ramen and rice, but you know what? It's my birthday, so I don't care. I had Thai food do, last night with do, lots of jasmine rice. Oh yeah, do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who wants to go next? Oh, I can go. Uh, so similarly to Nick, um, my birthday was two days ago. Um, yes, I didn't yeah, have happy a birthday. Birthday. Happy yeah, thanks. That, it, it's whatever <laughs> that I don't care about that part. But the, today on Nick's birthday is my anniversary. And with my wife, and we've been Oops. together for 21 years and married for 16. Oh and my so God. September, is, yeah. September is a crazy busy time between my birthday and then two days later anniversary. And my s- oldest son's birthday is on the 30th. And my youngest is on November 1st. And so this oh weekend, we're going to get out and we're going to 
uh, a Royals game in Kansas City, and we're going to stay up there, and we're going to go to the Renaissance Festival and kind of celebrate everybody's stuff Yay. this weekend. So that's, that's so our, fun. That's our plan. Yeah. yeah. That's so fun. I love that. And the yeah. weather is not stupid hot, so it'll actually be enjoyable to be outside. Okay, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're hitting up the Renaissance Fair in a couple of weeks, too. I can't wait. It'll be the first oh one I've ever awesome. been to. I oh that sounds so fun. I wanna I wish I I wish we ha- I think we probably do and I'm sure there's one somewhere. There's gotta be. I wanna go though, but okay. Uh and Jerry. Nothing makes me happy. Oh god. Uh my birthday was what like six months ago. Uh <laughs> I, I, mean, I don't know. I... Jerry has to balance it out, so it's okay. If you don't have anything, that's fine, Jerry. We my, love you still. My bees all died. No. Yep, I lost it. I had what? one beehive, and I lost. What happened it. here? Oh I man! I I don't know anything about keeping bees. Probably maybe something mites I did wrong. or something. Yeah, but uh, I thought I was going to get some honey, but mostly it was just because we all need to start keeping bees. We do. Uh, oh crap! You know what? I do have something that made me happy. It's something I, I tried called honey roast peanut butter. Whoa. Now, you all can think that, you know, crazy old man Jerry is so out of touch. No, peanut butter for me has always just been salty-ass peanut butter. <laughs> but <laughs> this is, uh, I, you know what? I, I've been eating it on a spoon. I ain't even going to lie. <laughs> That's good. That's it's amazing. like peanut butter ice cream. It's delicious. So shame on y'all for not letting me know this was a thing. <laughs> but uh, well, it's pretty good. Right. I usually don't do the honey roasted because it's got more sugar in it. Oh, sounds so good though. Oh but... yeah, it's yeah. good. Yeah, I, I always just buy homemade peanut butter from uh, the farmer's market. Oh, that's beautiful. Cute, but, cute. Mm. I it, like... it, it's good, but this is, oh, it's like candy. Just see, so you no, know, you need to get, you need to buy your homemade. Uh, peanut butter and then find a vendor that sells honey and then just blend those two together <laughs> well no that's my i told my wife i was going to try putting honey in the peanut butter we buy and she told me that she'd break my fingers if i did that <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so, okay uh before i say my thing chris can you say something that's food related as well because there's a theme going on and i want to keep the theme food related Oh, very easy. So for my birthday, my wife made me a carrot cake from scratch, my favorite cake. So that's, oh, that's I was that's what I got. And it was that it's, sounds a, it's amazing. amazing. And there's still some in there and I gotta I'm thinking of hiding it from my kids because they're gonna eat it. Oh my god, that's so good. Okay, uh so what made me happy this week? Uh well it's finally, finally cooling down in Toronto. Um we're we're getting some really beautiful fall wet weather, and I love fall. It's my favorite season, uh, spooky season. Halloween's coming up. I'm really excited about that. My birthday was like Jerry said months ago, so it wasn't my birthday. But uh, food related, I'm taking my aunt out for dinner tonight, uh, and we're going to this restaurant called I think it's called it's I think it's Alia or Alia. I don't I don't know the exact pronunciation of it, but, uh, it's just really, really good food. Uh, there's like Middle Eastern, um, dishes. It's truly, truly amazing food. And I'm so excited to eat it. And, um, I know, I know that hasn't happened yet, but I've already been there before. So I know what the food tastes like. So I'm going to say it makes me happy anyways. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> On that food note, food. food is food. Exactly. Uh, thank you so much for listening wherever you are, whether it's in the morning, afternoon, or at night. We really appreciate you guys listening to us. And to the person who called me, 
boss lady. <laughs> I still like you. Thank you so much for listening and taking the time and listening to us. We really appreciate you. <laughs> Have a lovely day, guys. Bye. See ya. Adios. Bye-bye.